community colleges are realizing what a valuable asset they are in terms of vocational training. But we want to make sure that what they're training for is what the economy needs. We know the economy is going to slow down. And so what are we doing to prepare for the next slowdown while looking at where's the growth in terms of jobs? So it's a, it's a big picture kind of evaluation, but it absolutely needs to be done. It needs to be studied. And we need to work as partners. It's almost too overwhelming, but someone needs to look at it, right? And I think the community college taking the lead and they have the ability to make changes to train for those vocations. The workforce landscape is rapidly changing and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Executive Director of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals more internships, and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us. You, the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together. And it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barsi. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo. And this is The Future of Work. Today, we continue our conversation on workforce education policy and how we can build pathways to success for students and employers with part two of this panel featuring Erica Andrijonas, the superintendent and president of Pasadena City College, who moderates this dialogue for us between policymakers and employers captured in November of 2019 during Pasadena City College's first ever Future of Work conference. Enjoy. So here's another piece of the puzzle. How is a lack of common language or nomenclature creating barriers to effective industry and academic government partnerships? For example, when we say soft skills, what does that actually mean? And is that the same as business intelligence or mindset? And are we all really on the same page or not? How about that? In short, no. Um, (laughs) So I would say from employer to employer, it means something different. From industry to industry, it means something different. No one size fits all. Or as someone else said, no one size fits none. So I would say, you know, as... I hear and I talk with education about stackable credentials. When I turn to employers, I never use that language. It doesn't mean anything to them unless it's their stackable credential. And so I think sometimes in 
terms of how we engage, competencies. The number one thing employers tell me is, don't just list the course for the community college student. List the competencies that, that they've they obtained. Are. List what they're going over. So biotech, list that you took a chemistry class, because most bio companies want something in chemistry, oddly enough. And so as we talk to employers, the business and the soft skills, that intelligence, the number one thing, though, that I do hear from employers is that they understand why they're doing what they're doing. I would say... When you make this decision, why we make this decision so that you don't make the wrong decision and cost us money. So typically for employers, it's about the bottom line. There are good employers who invest in a ton of other things as well, but they are trying to make a profit. So understanding why we don't turn left and we go right is really important that they want their employees to know, as well as the work experience. We pulled over 400 employers, and that previous work experience is so crucial. So when we talk about work experience, perhaps in education, we think work-based learning, right? So we're trying to do the tours. We're trying to do the internships. We're trying to do anything and everything that we can. But sometimes that doesn't translate for the student, then into the resume, and then into the business world. So I would say, no. I think we need to, when we're talking to business, to talk in business language. And if we're not the right faculty, we're not the right career center person, Find the person on your campus who can really relate to it and bring them in or bring a partner like your local workforce development board that is composed of over 50% businesses to come and be a partner as you advocate and outreach. I would just also add that some of the work that, for example, LAEDC has done and the chamber has done around convening industry partnerships Mm -hmm. and industry councils is really valuable. And I just caution that we do this in a systematic way across the entire region I think too often we kind of worry, for example, we have seven workforce development boards. We're worrying about what's happening in our area, but how are we discussing what's happening as a region? Um, I think we said what is that LA County is the fifth largest economy in the country at this point. I think Gavin Newsom just said that last week. How are we making sure that it is the driver, the engine of this huge economy, that we are all together in our approach rather than siloed? So having those industry councils region-wide I think is really important because there you are identifying exactly what the needs are and tailoring to that. I also think plain languaging a lot of this information for industry when we go out and speak with them. There's way too much government jargon. And so we've actually tried to say, you know, we're the county, we're here to help. Just for point of reference, there are 16 different departments in LA County that deal with businesses, 16 county departments. So just going from place to place to get the right information in and of itself is a burden. How do we streamline that process and make things a lot easier for the people that we're trying to serve rather than having administrative burdens? We're very passionate about making sure that we're Mm -hmm. doing process efficiencies as well. Yeah, I, I feel like this is a, another loaded question. I, I think to a lot of these points, we've gotten so caught up in our jargon, our language, mm-hmm. our, our programs, our services, that we lose sight of the problems we're trying to solve. And I, I would go back to something I, I think you said earlier, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of decades later, we're still talking about the same problems. Mm-hmm. It begs the question of how, how intentional is every party at the table around trying to solve those problems. So I loved hearing that employers are talking about different skills, not just showing up on time, 
because often that's what gets translated with soft skills is they show up on time and it's sort of a proxy for they look like me, they behave like me, they, you know, they operate in the ways that I am familiar and comfortable with as opposed to these higher order thinking skills. They can understand complex problems, they know how to make decisions, they can explain the rationale behind the decision making. And so I think really figuring out cross-sector leaders I'm going to say that again, cross-sector leaders who have experience in education, in government, in state agencies, in workforce, in uh, industry sectors, who can not just translate, but really broker integrated relationships that unpack what is the problem what, that we're mm-hmm. trying to solve that we coalesce around, not just how do we translate enough for me to build my program that I then market to you, right? And I say that on both sides of the house because industry comes with a lot of games as well. You know, by the way, I'll support you and be on your advisory as long as I can get a teaching gig with you as well, right? right? I mean, so it, it, it goes a lot of different ways. And until we start really being clear about what, pro, what problem are we trying to solve, we will continue to swirl and it distracts us from actually making movement on the real issues. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you got to one of our key issues and that is one of competition, competition within business because obviously they have a profit margin and they want to be a leader or driver in their industry. But then there's a pretty wicked piece of competition on the community college side. And, you know, we're broken up into districts. And, you know, we have this anomaly in L.A. County where there are actually 21 community colleges in L.A. County, 19 of which belong to the L.A. Orange region, and two of them belong to the South Central region or the South Coast region. And it's hard to partner together. Similarly, and I always felt badly for those two colleges from L.A. County, uh, College of the Canyon in Antelope Valley because there was all this other stuff happening with the LAEDC and other groups, but they were tied to another region. So that's a long way of getting to the question, and, and I think it's true with workforce investment boards too, is we all kind of step on each other's toes in a lot of ways. You know, we're, we're all supposed to be one big family and sing Kumbaya, but we don't. And in the California community college system, even with the new student-centered funding formula, we're still inherently competitive with one another. So I guess I'm going to throw that back to you and say, what do you see as the chancellor's office response and responsibility to that? I will say a couple of things. I come from the LA region. This was my born and raised here in the LA region. This was my home. This is my home. What I would say is my first job was actually at Disney. And so I can appreciate competition And yet what we understand from that is we take care of our staff and faculty, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's who is the face of our business, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm just pulling from the Disney training, years of Disney training. Uh, We also understand that market share is really built on customer experience, right? And so we can compete. We can focus on the competition across our organizations. But if we really focused on our staff and employees and on the, creating the student experience that really drew in a, you know, our, the students in the market that we're looking for, whether it's employers, whether mm-hmm. it's students, whether it's community partners, we would get a lot farther than focusing on the inherent competition across our organizations, right? Um, and then we have to really lean into and cultivate our brand and our assets, right? I think about the new Disney streaming, right? They are using all the years of their value add 
and product that they've developed mm -hmm. to create a unique experience. And so how are we really thinking about that? If we understand that the economy is changing, we understand that what users are looking for is completely changing. Again, whether that's students or community partners or employers, how are we adapting, rebranding, evolving what we do in order to be able to really appeal to the broader audiences? I, I think that's really fundamental to the student-centered funding formula. We need to be solving problems for the students who need us the most, and that's what's underneath the student-centered funding formula. I think the responsibility of the chancellor's office, just to get very pointed to your question, is to continue to advocate for increased funding. We ask community colleges to do everything, to figure yes, out food yes, insecurity, right? To figure out food insecurity, to meet the demands of the time, to serve their communities in comprehensive ways, to transfer, to do all of these things, and yet we know that our institutions are underfunded. And so we're asking everyone to join us in the fight to increase funding for community colleges so that they can actually meet the needs and that we aren't setting up situations where we are trying to take money from one another rather than focusing on trying to figure out the best services for our students. The last thing I would just point to is, again, cross-sector leaders. Mm -hmm. We cannot solve the problems by ourselves. We need community partners, and that requires a shift in our workforce, right? The skills and competencies and experiences that our internal workforce has for community colleges. And so that's also an area where I would encourage folks to lean in. Um, I would just add that, you know, we unfortunately are very funding driven, you know, like was mentioned. And I think that if we really want to shift the mindset away from this competitive approach, I think that takes a policy shift at a state and federal level mm -hmm. to ensure that the funding is delivered to entities that are collaborating together. So incentivizing grant opportunities, funding opportunities coming down from the state that really talk to this cross-sector model, this collaborative model, I think in effect, you, you kind of force individuals to come and work together rather than compete for those dollars. You have to compete all together. So I would say, one, I think we need some, some advocacy around policy shifts at a state level about how this funding mm -hmm. is being delivered. And then looking regionally, you know, we have five supervisorial districts. We have 88 different cities. We have all the community colleges. We have all the workforce development areas and the, the, the America's Job Centers. Everyone is in their individual silo. You know, if you do have this cross-sector partner, does that get to this issue? Does having a regional industry council get to this issue? Mm -hmm. I think those are some things that we all collectively need to work together on if we really feel that we're going to move the needle here. Because really, the federal funding incentivizes serving a high volume of, of individuals, right. at least in the workforce system. I think we know that we also need high touch. Right. So how do we bring our partners to the table for these increasingly high touch ex experiences to serve our, our populations? Can, can I just yeah. add one more thing to you? I would also say that our greatest competition is not one another. Mm -hmm. Right. It is the employers who are creating their own training programs. It's the for-profits. It's ASU coming in mm -hmm. and setting up shop in California. Now, right? where did Christian Osmina right. go? <laughs> Just saying. We, I know. Yeah. Uh, that is our greatest competition, is outside of our community college system. And so we need, to, we need to stay focused on where we need to stay focused and really look at the data around where our market share is going and how we attract increased market share and how we evolve in order to be able to attract increased market so share. So if you want to see that data for the report, there is a crossroads report that the community colleges in the region funded themselves to look at the market forces, threats, and opportunities. So you can visit the Center for Competitive Workforce website and you can find that. But I would also say it also has to come with the funding for the infrastructure. So 
competition is there because we don't have an infrastructure in order to seamlessly connect across the region. So we all fund our own individuals to find internships. We all fund our own individuals to find jobs. We leverage different systems, which is fine. But a part of it is that. So what I will say is in the LA region and for every employer here, come the new year, the community colleges will be launching their uh, workforce and education partner portal, CCW. So they've used their regional strong workforce program dollars to fund a singular portal where you, the employer, can connect across all 19 community colleges. So if you needed an intern, you had a job opportunity, you developed a new battery technology and needed to find who has the uh, cohort, the constituents, the training, you're interested in partnering, you could seamlessly engage across all 19 community colleges. The hope of CCW was that eventually we speak with our workforce boards, our K-12, our adult education, our unions, our CBOs, and it becomes this infrastructure for LA County, for us, the workforce and education practitioners, to stop duplicating work so that we can then invest more on the employer relationships rather than finding all these opportunities. So it's like, dang, I wanted to participate in that apprenticeship opportunity, didn't even know it existed. We'd have a system where we can connect. And I think that, you know, in a perfect world, we would obviously approach this in an equitable manner rather than having all of these one-off special programs to employ our priority populations. I don't know if any of you guys know this, but some cities and counties employ what's called a, a consolidated wait list for affordable housing. I think we need a consolidated wait list for, and I think you know Jessica and LEDC is trying to do this, obviously, but I don't think we should have to work outside of our system to build these portals. I think this should be part of what we're doing with our system and making sure that we're taking people and putting them into these high-road job opportunities in an equitable way. What we're going to do is have kind of a closing thought from each one of you about if there's something you want everyone in the room, regardless of where they come from, education, industry, public employment, wherever they come from, if there's one thought you want them to walk away from this panel with, what is it? I would say that be open to these these partnerships and, and kind of disavow yourself of this assumption that we're all competing with each other. I know that this has been talked about, but I would love to convene you know, a, a network of all of our partners here around certain job opportunities. I would love to be able to increase the number of apprenticeships that we have statewide, and not just traditional roles, but really these non-traditional pathways. So it's very, very clear to our participants where the opportunities are for them. And I would, I would just say, like, I hope that we all can move the needle on policy to incentivize good policy at the state level to to award funding in a forward-thinking direction. And please, let's hopefully keep the conversation going. I would say when I hear the word skills gap, there's two things that come to mind. One, when I'm talking with an employer, well, who are you partnering with to close it? Are you contributing to the conversation? Because the only way to close the skills gap is to have more people with the right skills in order to close that skills gap. So I would say if you're an employer in this room, I hope you're encouraged to know that our workforce and education institutions definitely want to partner with you, are setting up ways for you to do it seamlessly and strategically across the region. And if you're in education in this place, closing the skills gap, what are we also doing? What are we identifying? What are the skills that we are lacking in teaching 
the students and the participants we work with? What are the occupations where we as a region are oversupplying talent and then wondering why our students aren't getting hired or we're undersupplying or not even training for some of those regions? So the reports that CCW is putting out that takes a look at both the demand and the supply side, which we did for the community colleges, are doing for the CSUs and hope to do with our seven workforce development boards will also contribute to that conversation so that we are working smarter. I would just share and and encourage folks to think about and recognize that the future of work is not something that's happening out there. It's actually happening within each of our organizations, and we are either aware of it and contributing to the upskilling and reskilling internally to our own organizations or not. And so I would really encourage folks to think about if you aren't coming with a learner's mindset, you are also part of the challenge, right, that our systems are having in the evolution. And I say that lovingly, and I want to thank everyone for all of their work on this because these are hard conversations and hard things to move forward. And I want to encapsulate all of that, and I want to say that the other emphasis that we have to have as a system And when I say a system, it's a system of all of us working together for economic and workforce development. And that is we have to do it with a key focus on equity and closing the achievement gap when it comes to equity. And what that means is we need to be focused on making sure that we have ways for every population we have in L.A. County, in in the state of California, to get the skills that they need. And that may mean dealing with language barriers. Okay, so there's a language barrier. How do we jump over that barrier? How do we fix it? A skills barrier, first generation, whatever it is, our focus as much as it is on the skills that our future workers or our current workers who are looking to better their skills to get a better wage, a better job, Whatever it is, we cannot lose sight of the importance of focusing on equity because we have one of the most diverse populations in the country, in the world, and we need to be prepared, all of us, our entire system, to meet every single person when they show up at our door. And if we can do that, then the future of work looks pretty darn bright in Southern California. My name is Diane Russell Carter. I'm the executive director for the Foothill Workforce Development Board here in Pasadena. And I'm one of the seven workforce development boards of L.A. County with my two colleagues, uh, Jessica and Caroline, sitting on the stage. Very proud. Excellent job. I want to talk about, just really briefly, I'm an old-time workforce development. I'm a 30-year professional. And the evolution of workforce development has been just evolutionary. It's the only thing really that you can call it. And when you look at the history, and I think maybe in some scenarios, some platform, we should do the evolution of workforce development, which started back in 1935 with a project, the WPA project from President Roosevelt. So as being a workforce development professional, and seeing the word, the title, and the work now encompass so many groups. Mm-hmm. I think that we have the ability to do so much as a team. And if we can ever get through that, the silos, the walls of the silos, that sometimes they don't make here locally. Do it in Washington, mm-hmm. they do it in Sacramento. Yeah. But I can say on behalf of LA County and There were six of my colleagues here today. We have pushed through those walls. 
and awesome. we'll continue to do it. That and we, re we recognize our community college partners. We help you for all of your assist. We thank you for all of your assistance. And uh, I think we just need to forge on. And it's just like earlier we talked about the millennials and how they impact us. I say we go with them because there's more of them than there, more, than there is yeah, of us. That's true. <laughs> and we have to change what we do, and partnership is a big part of it. So I just wanted to introduce myself. This is okay. my local Wonderful. workforce development area, and I welcome all of you. Thank Great. you for attending. Thank you. All right. Well, with that. Thank you, Diane. With that, I just want to again say thank you to our fabulous panel, and thank you to all of you. And I think there's a lot of exciting things going on, and there's a lot we still need to do, but... I am the eternal optimist, so I think it's all possible. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Future of Work podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We'd love to hear from you, too. Leave us your thoughts and review, and remember to rate us. Thanks for listening.